Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. Impress your friends, amaze your coworkers, make your family proud. Here's what you need to know. I'm gonna tell you what you need to know. I'm gonna tell you what you need to hear. Fourth quarter of the program begins right now as we finish strong. Here on a <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, here on a Monday, a victory Monday for your Kansas City Chiefs. We're gonna hear from uh, Andy Reid and uh, his press conference today. We'll get to Trent Green coming up here in a little bit. Um, the biggest news on the injury front is Charles Amenehu. Uh, multiple reports now saying that defensive end Charles Amenehu has suffered a torn ACL in the game against the Ravens and will miss the Super Bowl. And that means we're talking about a nine-month injury. Yes. So here we are at the end of January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. We're talking about a mid-season return uh, for Charles Domenehu next year, and uh, if indeed that report is true. And like we said, there are multiple reports, including ESPN, that have it up there. Just a handful of plays after he made what could have been one of the more impactful plays of the game, the strip sack. Didn't end up in being points, but you saw what his worth was. And he was just kind of rounding into that form. It's a big loss. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's hear from one Andy Reid uh, talking today on his uh, Zoom. And he was asked, first of all, by Adam Teicher about the Christmas Day game and what impact that loss had on the team. You know, I think, listen, I think, Adam, that was a good wake-up call for us. You know, they came out with great emotion. Antonio had him ready to go. and But the, that emotion was the thing that jumped out at you that they played with. And I, I think it, it, it gave our guys a uh, – you know, a nice little, uh, you know, for a better term, a wake-up call that, that listen, we need to we need to step things up here. Things aren't just going to, you know, fall in our lap. And so we're, we're taking everybody's best shot. And here's a team that went through some adversity, and, and they stepped up and uh, were able to present themselves like they did. So uh, we were able to learn from it and, and move on. I, I felt all along, though, we – you know, we had the ability to do that. Um, we, we just, like I said, we, we needed uh, just a little kick in the tail there. Just a little kick in the tail, and they got it. A little wake-up call from the, uh, from if, the Raiders. If they win the whole thing, that, that date, you'll, have to, you'll be able to circle that date because everything changed from that point on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Kadarius Tony. put out a bizarre... Instagram post or tweeted out a, I don't know what, I don't know how Instagram, it got Instagram, Instagram live. Instagram live. Uh, that was recorded by folks and then made the rounds around the internet. Profanity laced, uh, I don't know if you call it a tirade, what it is. Uh, but in it, in addition to telling people lots of different things to go do, mm-hmm. um, which seemed to be, I don't think you'd be stretching it that it seemed to be pointed towards the Chiefs. Yes. With some of the directions, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I it was tough to follow uh, what he was saying, but he definitely said he wasn't hurt. Yes, he said that that was a lie. Andy Reid was asked about that by Adam Teicher today if he had seen the video. Yeah, I, I actually haven't seen it. I mean, I've heard heard uh, people talk about it, but um, uh, yeah, he'll be back back out there, and we'll we'll see see how he does. So his status with the team is is 
unchanged. It, it remains just an injury situation that the it's got. It, I found it difficult to follow what he was saying, but it did seem to be that he was saying he was not hurt. Um, can you expand upon what, what his situation is a little more, Coach? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, obviously he's been on the injury report, so I mean, I, I got that that part as uh, that's not made up by any means, but he's been working through some things and. Um, he'll, uh, you know, he'll be back out there. This past week, it also said personal reasons on there, and it was uh, floated out there that he'd had a child born, mm-hmm. and the thought was that was it. Uh, he said he's working through some things that I suppose could be the personal could be reasons. I, I find it hard to believe that Kadarius Tony, and it, nobody's really saying much about him. I, I find it hard to believe that Kadarius Tony is going to be sitting at a table in Las Vegas, which is what they do for the media session. You have the the big stars are up at the podiums that you see everything, and then the the lesser uh, known players, the lesser theoretically impact players, uh, are sitting at kind of tables, kind of position group tables. I find it hard to believe that he's going to be sitting there answering questions in Las Vegas. No way. My assumption is that they will end up putting him on the IR. As uh, you heard with Adam Teicher earlier, if you missed that, catch it at the podcast, A10WHP.com. Last year, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was hurt, McCole Harmon was hurt, and they weren't at those sessions. So if you're on the IR, apparently you don't have to make them available, or at least the Chiefs didn't last year. And so I don't think he's going to be available. I'll be shocked if I we agree. see him again. Yeah, I, I, I'll be surprised, not shocked. But yeah. you know, Andy Reid says he's going to be out there. I don't know what the really I don't know out there mean practice. But I, I, well, if he ever plays in a game again, I'll yeah, be, I'll I, be I think he meant practice. That, that's that's yeah. what I think he meant was was uh, practice. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about where this defense ranks. Andy Reid was asked uh, where this one is uh, amongst all the defenses he's coached. Is it one of the better defenses? Yeah, I'd say it's one of the better defenses uh, that I've that I've been around. I, we had some real good ones in um, in Philadelphia uh, and some of the early defenses here. I don't want to slight those guys. They they did a nice job for us. So, um, but but surely this is a there's a team. There's a, a defense that has helped uh, guide this team along as the offense uh, was growing. So, um, and now that both are are playing well, it's it's a uh, you know that's a, a tribute to everybody involved. What Steve has done, and then what Nag has done on the offensive side of helping it grow. I mean. It's definitely the best one he's had here. Yeah, I don't remember an Eagles one being as good as this one is, but I know he had some better defenses than people realize in Philadelphia, and he always spent a lot of his draft capital on the defensive side of the ball. But um, yeah, this has got to be the best one he's had, and so it's kind of a new style of coaching. And he's, he's for sure he, he wore it well, he leaned on it in that game. Still like to see him get more points. You know, when you're up double, you know, two scores, like to finish up two scores, but. You know, the other team's on scholarship as well. Uh, winning by one point works. And I think at times, I, th- I think the Ravens were a little bit guilty of trying to blow out the Chiefs. They had heard that stat about winning by 50 points or something collectively over the Niners and Dolphins, and I think they were trying to do that again. Yes. And the longer they went, the more they pressed. and Got the Chiefs outside were, their game. Yeah, the Chiefs were just interested in winning by one point. And which is exactly well. what the Chiefs wanted them to do defensively. They wanted them to throw. And they yeah. did, and, the, and Spagnuolo was ready for it. Uh, the play, one of the signature plays from this game will be Patrick Mahomes avoiding the rush and then almost 
playing keep away as he held the football high and aloft, and then eventually as he was being tackled, flipped it in the air. Travis Kelsey lays out for a diving catch of a wobbling, fluttering <laughs> hook shot. Yeah. Uh, his direction, uh, Sam McDowell talked about that. Uh, some of the comments after the game, you know, were that Patrick was saying it was an improv move. Um, you know, he asked Andy Reid uh, what they were initially trying to do there. Yeah, he was working more across, and he kind of came back on that a bit. Just that Pat was moving, so he had to get himself in position to, uh, to get that. I mean, the fact that he laid out like that. I mean, I've seen him do a lot of things. I really haven't seen that right there where he had to yeah. be in that position uh, parallel to the ground and two inches off of the ground and to make the catch. That's tough without the ball hitting the turf there. So um, it was a great job by him. And so I guess he's kept in the pocket for a while and, and showed us. <laughs> the Chiefs went on to score that drive, right? Yes, yes. That was their second touchdown. Drive. I I think about that one, and I immediately compare it to both defenses were, were left with, oh, geez, here we go. They're on just a magic run moment yesterday. And for the Ravens, they could have said, well, geez, I mean, how often does that happen? And the Chiefs went down and they scored. Right after the Chiefs didn't convert after the fumble, the, the Ravens get the ball back after the, you know, the Chiefs turn it over on downs. Lamar Jackson catches a pass that was deflected, and 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 that that resulted immediately in a first down, and I I, I don't think the Ravens they got didn't. another first down that drive, yeah. and so you well, had that to me, I mean it's not all just the defense giving up, but I think there's an element of you you kind of get punched in the mouth by just weird circumstances, and and you you just refo the Chiefs refocused, yeah, and, and, and found a way to answer. And and I can tell you, uh, at my house is like, is this the fumble going back to Andrew Luck? Is this, mm-hmm. uh, this is Marcus Mariota? Marcus Mariota catching his own pass and yeah. going in for a touchdown? Is this that moment that that we've seen? Is this the the one that is the omen that this one isn't going to go well? Answer no. But scary as hell? Yes, absolutely. All right, let's listen to the uh, Ravens radio call. Uh, this is Jerry Sandusky. Jerry with a G. Yes. By the way. Important distinction. Uh, important distinction. And Rod Woodson, Hall of Fame defensive back. Uh, this is their call of the uh, Flowers fumble. Chiefs show blitz pressure. They bring it. Lamar fires in the end zone. Nope. Shy of the end zone. Zay Flowers Uh-oh. dies at the goal line. Comes loose. I'm hoping. I can't tell. For, it looked like he broke the plane. The officials converge, and they're calling no, a touchback. Touch it looked like Zay Flowers may have broken the plane. It is, is right real. at the line. No, he dropped it. He got a knockout. And yep. Legarius Sneed snuck a right hand in, punched the ball loose. It is out. Kansas City recovers in the end zone, and you can feel the despair of the young man, Zay Flowers, as he comes to the near sideline. And the bench would feel the despair yes, as was, it would of uh, Zay Flowers uh, shortly after that. Um, all right, here is Sandusky and Woodson on the call of the Lamar INT. By the way, a pass that he stepped into and rifled, and I'm like, that is a touchdown. A touchdown. That is obviously going to be a touchdown. No, no, it turns out, you know, three Chiefs and half the stadium was in between <laughs> Lamar and the receiver. Here's their call on that INT by Dean Bush. Lamar to throw. Looking to the right. Nothing there. Fires down the middle. Back of the end zone. No, no. It's intercepted. It's picked off in the end zone. Deion Bush with the interception. 
And with 6.45 left to play in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, three defenders on him. A third Ravens turnover could signal a hill too high to climb. The crowd, a bit of a roar you heard there was when they saw the replay of what they thought was going to be, should have been pass interference in the back of the end zone, but a hill too high to climb. Although Woodson cuts off the guy. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> as, as the late, great Lynn Dawson used to do. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. One more Sandusky and Woodson on the call of the clinching pass from uh, Patrick Mahomes to Marquez Valdez-Gantling. Mahomes has Pacheco in the backfield. The Chiefs quarterback stands in the shotgun. He takes the snap. He wants to throw. Lobs it deep down the middle. He's got Valdez-Scantling wide open at the 20-yard line. He makes a falling catch, and that is going to do it. It will run us to the two-minute warning, but the Ravens are out of timeouts, and this season is out of days. The Kansas City Chiefs will be heading to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years. We have reached the two-minute warning with heavy hearts in Baltimore on the Ravens game day network. That's a great That's call. Fantastic work by Sandusky, who's been the Ravens guy for ever since they've been in existence in '96. Um, and the, the the Ravens are out of timeouts, and their season is out of days. That's yeah. pretty good off the cuff. Yeah, that is uh, that is really good because I don't think anybody lays awake at night like, how am I going to call us going yeah. down in flames? Yeah. So you probably just wing that one, and that was really good. Yep. Uh, and of course, there was Woodson. No. No. <laughs> He, he knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> so fantastic. I loved it. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll get former Pro Bowl quarterback turned CBS Sports uh, color analyst Trent Green in here next. Welcome back here on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as we continue to talk about the uh, glorious victory the Kansas City Chiefs put together over the Baltimore Ravens. We do it with the man, uh, Trent Green, uh, Pro Bowl quarterback for your Kansas City Chiefs, uh, CBS analyst today. See him on the CBS Sports Network as well. Uh, Trent, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Two great championship games. Uh, what a lot of fun to uh, to witness that. Um, two different games in the way that they played out and, and how the games were won. Uh, but both coming down to, you know, one score games and, uh, you know, now we're going to have a rematch in the Super Bowl. So it's, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun watching those games. Um, not shockingly, I heard a number of people that were uh, picking the Baltimore Ravens talk about how the Ravens blew this game. Um, you know, I suppose that's always a theme here and there. We as Chiefs fans, when the Chiefs don't win, that's kind of the, the, the opinion of everybody, oh, Andy Reid blew it or so-and-so blew it, MVS blew it. Uh, we, we don't like to give credit to the other teams either, so I do get it, particularly, you know, I call it rooting for your predictions. If everybody's picking Baltimore, they're like, well, why didn't they play the way I thought they were going to play, right? I think it's just human nature. Right. I'm curious, keeping all that in mind, what was your view of it? Chiefs took it or the Ravens blew it? I think the Chiefs defense went out and took it. Uh, I, I was I was incredibly impressed. I know the defense has played well all year, uh, but Lamar Jackson and that offense is, it's just different. And, and it's not like any other offense in the league and you got to find ways to stop it. And that's exactly what they did. I thought they did a great job of uh, mixing things up from a coverage standpoint to not allow guys to get open. Lamar was confused all day. Shouldn't say confused. Lamar was stuck looking for open receivers all day. So, um, he had to scramble quite a bit, and, and when those plays were extended, he wasn't able to make the big plays like uh, 
like he's been able to do so many times this year. And I thought Drew Tranquil played as good of a game as, as we've seen him play. I wasn't sure how he was going to match up in that Willie Gay role in terms of mirroring Lamar Jackson, but he came up right at the line of scrimmage and was mirroring him back and forth. And uh, anytime there was a scramble, he would go apply pressure. I thought he had an outstanding game um, applying the pressure where he needed to and making sure there were no, uh, you know, big plays. Uh, the, the one big play or big run that Lamar had, Snead was right there on uh, when they went for it on short yardage uh, and he broke through the line, but Snead was right there to get him. And yeah, you can't say enough about the defense. Very opportunistic, uh, coming up with turnovers in, in critical areas of the field and critical parts of the game uh, and then shutting shutting down that Ravens offense. So no, I, I take it more as the, the Chiefs defense went and took it. Why do you think Steve Spagnuolo doesn't get more run? We hear all these coordinators uh, interviewing for jobs. And I know everybody wants the new flavor, the young guy, but Steve Spagnuolo is one of the more decorated defensive coordinators ever. And he was in a difficult situation in St. Louis coming in after, you know, the, the team you were a part of, you know, was really, uh, you know, had, had, it's time had come and gone. Uh, why do you think Steve Spagnuolo doesn't get more one credit, but why somebody hasn't given him another shot as a head coach? Well, I would think he would get another opportunity. Uh, why it hasn't happened yet, based on the success that he's had, especially in Kansas City and, and his track record throughout his career as defensive coordinator. As you said, his his time with the Rams didn't go very well. He was in a difficult situation, and and what they were trying to do and, and get done in that uh, in that point in time. Um, so yeah, it, it really is surprising. I think a lot of it is is what you brought up. I think uh, you know it used to be the way the coaching was set up is. You had to pay your dues and you had to work your way from a position coach to a coordinator role. And then you get a head coaching opportunity, very similar to what he got, got uh, his first opportunity as a head coach. But then all of a sudden, you know, we started seeing some young guys being hired uh, that were either position coaches uh, or maybe one year as a coordinator and like Mike Tomlin, you know, he was only one year as a coordinator uh, with the Vikings uh, before the Steelers gave him an opportunity. And, and he's, obviously one of the most uh, decorated head coaches and what he's been able to accomplish in his time. So I think the trend started going more towards the younger coaches and, and getting some of that. The trend also started going more to guys that have uh, guys that have, have playing experience. Uh, former players are getting more and more opportunities as head coaches. Uh, Antonio Pierce getting a chance, Dan Campbell, who we saw yesterday, you know, uh, doing a great job with the Lions. So, uh, I think there's a couple of things going against him right now, but there's uh, there's no reason to think why he shouldn't get another opportunity, whether or not it happens because of his age. Um, I don't know. I'm sure he would love the challenge, but I think he's also in a good place in terms of his life and his career. And, and uh, you know, but I, I think every coach would love that opportunity just to be able to put their own stamp on things. Dave Merritt uh, said something rather interesting three or four weeks ago when they uh, last had the, the position coaches at the podium. And, and he said, because Curtis and I have wondered a lot for a couple of years, why Dave Merritt's not a defensive coordinator. And he said that he and his wife decided as long as he had kids at home in, in high school or, or, or younger, uh, he and his wife had decided that he would not pursue coordinator jobs because there's just that much more time. He said, you know, I want to be able to go to their games on Friday night. I want to be able to do certain things. And when you're a coordinator, you can't do those things. And I guess he, he had, you know, he joked around about his wife still chasing him. And uh, they had a kid, you know, like eight or nine years or 10 years after, you know, their, their youngest before. He said, so I've still got one in high school. I think he said for three more years. I thought that was yeah. interesting. How many, how many times can you think of like coaches that, and I'm with you because like, I don't know what, Steve Spagnuolo is making. I'll bet it's 
you know, one and a half to four million dollars, probably two and a half million to be my best guess for a, you know, a championship uh, coordinator and knowing how Andy Reid kind of looks after his coaches. That's pretty guaranteed money when you're riding shotgun with Andy Reid, as opposed to the stresses and pressures and probably always taking over a bad football team and having to rebuild it. I mean, life's pretty good for Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, maybe maybe somebody has called. And he's like, no, 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 I'm good. Yeah, and you know, and, and rightfully so. You know, when you see uh, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, uh, the way that players' salaries have escalated, um, I think it's good that the coaches' salaries are as well. I think, you know, position coaches were for a long time were 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 drastically underpaid. I think they're all being paid. Excuse me. I think they're all being paid well now. Um, you know, if you just look at the averages and the standards around the league, so you know, some of the pressure that goes along. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, hearing you say uh, Merritt's comments, just because there are a lot of coaches that feel that way, depending on what their where their priorities lie, where their opportunities lie. You know, sometimes when you pass up an opportunity, it may not come back around. So a lot of coaches feel like they need to jump on it because they don't know if they'll get that opportunity again, whether it be to move up to a coordinator or move up to a head coaching spot. Uh, but I do know um, because Spags has had the experience of a head coach and knows what it's like and all the things that go into it, um, and it's not just X's and O's. Uh, there's, you know, there's, there's everything, right? You're dealing with the media. You're dealing with uh, player problems and issues. You're dealing with the, every the security. I mean, on down the line, you're you're having to deal with stuff that's that's not just football. So, yeah, it's it's not a bad gig being a coordinator. And and at this stage of his career, he may he may be he may be fine with that. Uh, and and I don't know how heavily he's pursuing trying to be a head coach. Um, but I think if, if a team would come and ask or, or want an opportunity, I, I don't think he would turn that down. But I don't know how much he's pursuing it as maybe he did in the past. Is this the best defense in the NFL with the Chiefs? I mean, the Ravens were considered the best. They are number one in scoring defense. The Chiefs were number two. But we've pointed out along the way all the different times that the Chiefs offense has really hurt the Chiefs defense, whether it was one that that scoring number is for the whole team. And there's been pick sixes, you know, passes that went off the hands of Kadarius Tony in a a couple of different games, you know, various different things, fumbling the ball, uh, pick six against the Raiders, fumbling the ball near your own, like, like, you know, and and that happens to everybody, right? I know, uh, you know, other defenses have offenses that make mistakes as well. But, you know, there was kind of this perception that, sure, the Chiefs defense is good, but the Ravens are way better. After watching that game, who has the better defense? Well, I'd, you'd have to say the Chiefs, just based on based on what we all saw, right? Um, the second half, the, Raider, or, uh, the, the Ravens were able to get some things going. Um, but when it came down to being down there in the red zone, the defense, you know, just some remarkable plays, like historic plays, plays that, will be talked about uh, in, in Chiefs' kingdom for a long, long time. Um, you know, the turnovers that were created in the red zone and, and what they were able to do against that that high-flying offense. That's a top-five scoring offense. And uh, to be able to hold them to what they did, just 10 points, uh, is pretty remarkable. So, uh, yeah, that, I don't know how you can argue it. I, you know, you talk about number of sacks. You talk about third-down uh, conversion percentages. You talk about yardage or points or whatever it may be. Um yeah, this this team backs up all those numbers, uh, and and now they're in the Super Bowl, and they'll get get another opportunity to stamp their place in history. Um, we're talking with Trent Green here in the uh, program. What do you think of the officiating? Was that playoff officiating? I, I know, like all the people that picked Baltimore, are going to be pointing out different plays. The one of them, the likely, uh, you know, kind of where he got tangled up and and went to the ground. Uh, you know, you could have called a pass interference or holding. I like, I like how you said, I like how you said tangled up. Tangled up. That was, yeah. that was a very <laughs> 
That was a very cheap way to describe it. It, it certainly was. Yeah. yeah. Held, <laughs> held, I think uh, Baltimore yeah. fans would say. But, you know, I, I thought there was also like a helmet to helmet. Uh, hit on yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes that wasn't called. And, you know, it, it, did we get just, hey, unless it's egregious, we're not calling it NFL playoff officiating? Or did you think it left something to be desired both ways or one way or the other? I think it's I think it's what we talked about here over the last couple of weeks. You know, uh, preseason, it's one way. Regular season at the beginning, it's another way. As the season progresses, it's less and less involved. And then as the playoffs start, they, they try and stay out of it. So, uh, I didn't have a problem with the officiating. Uh, I thought they, I thought they did a good job both ways. I know the Ravens uh, were penalized more, so they're going to be upset about it more. Um, but I think that when you look at the balance of it, and and that's that's kind of what the officiating is when you get to this part of the season. They they don't want to be the reason for uh, the outcome of a game, and I and I think you saw it in both the AFC and NFC championship games. Uh, they were letting the guys play. There's going to be some back and forth. Um, but if it's really obvious, then then they're going to call it. Yeah, um, I, it, it, you know, the end. I, I was very frustrated at times, but there are other times. And, I, like, and I should and I should I should add to it. I go if it's really obvious, they're going to call. It. If it's really obvious and it has an impact on the play, right. they're going to call it. That's the, that's the other part of it. Is is I think, yeah, maybe that was, but did it really affect the? You know, and that and that's where the. I guess that's where the balancing act comes in because I always would go to the official, hey, why wasn't I called? And I go, well, you weren't looking over here. I go, well, I was looking over there, but because he's being held, I had to go on to my next progression. You know, so it's like, um, you know, so I, I understand, you know, why people get upset about it. And obviously, if you lose the game, you're going to be even more upset about it. But, but no, I, I didn't have a problem with the officiating. I, I thought it was, you know, kind of what, what we've come to expect at this point in time. Have you seen anybody who seems to see everything on the field more than Patrick Mahomes? Like, he, when he sees somebody getting held, he throws the ball at their feet. Like, okay, that's the guy I'm going to. Kind of like just what you just said where the ref's like, well, you weren't going there with the ball. He seems to, like, did you tell him that a long time ago? And so that's been in the back of his head. And so now he, he fires it over there when he sees a hole. Like, well, I'm going to make you call it now because I'm going to put the ball over there. Like, he seems to see everything going on on the field. He really does, uh, and I, I I get zero credit for any of that. No, I didn't. I didn't share any of that with him. I, I wish I would have been. You know, my problem is is that I always thought I could find another open guy, or I could always you know make the throw. Um, I wasn't to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to throw it at this guy because then I'm put then I'm relying on the official to call it. So I would see a guy getting held or whatever. Um, now, if it was you know if it was a kind of a a, a one-shot kind of play, you know, one of those where it only had one or two receivers out in the play. If it wasn't a full progression kind of play, then you got to throw it up and, and hope you get the call. But uh, he does a tremendous job of seeing the field. That one time, and I say one time, he probably had a handful of them during the game. But when he scrambled up, it looked like for sure he was going to – and then he almost like does like a jump shot, right? It's not really even a throwing motion. He did that little jump shot thing to Kelsey. Um, I mean, it just it's, – it's like how does he even see that? You know, it's uh, it's remarkable the vision that he has out there, and and the calmness to execute and 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 you know make the throws. And how about his uh, game awareness? Late in the game, hadn't been sacked all game. Uh, late in the game, they're they're trying to burn the clock. They're they're leaning for the tape. Uh, they haven't been good in, in in the second half. You you know the Ravens, uh, and I think he might have even taken the sacks when they had cut it to seven. Maybe it was still ten. I'm not sure. But taking sacks, and Andy Reid pointed this out after the game. I know we were talking about it at my house, that, you know, he had the awareness. Nobody wants to take a sack, right? Nobody wants a negative play. 
but he wasn't going to risk the ball at the end of the game. And that's one of the things that they've been better at cleaning up the penalties. Yes, but also getting away from turnovers. And it's almost like, again, his game awareness. Nope. Uh, I got the defense going. We're playing well. Yeah. They're getting tired, but they can hold us. I'm, I'm not going to put the ball out here. I'm not going to try to make a hero play. I'm just going to eat it. We'll take the sack and we'll punt it away. I mean, that, that takes a lot of, you know, recognition of, of the entire situation of the game. How impressed were you seeing that? Well, I'm impressed. I've been impressed with it his whole career, uh, how at such a young age, uh, he's been able to manage all those things. I think at times during the regular season, uh, we seem a little bit more loose. But I said, I said to some of my friends this weekend as, as we were getting ready for the game and, and just talking about the game. And I, and I said, you know what? The, the difference is, is that, and, and Lamar, as great of a player as Lamar is, and, and he'll probably end up being MVP this year. Uh, the fact that Patrick has had so much postseason success, I go, you almost, you see a different Patrick Mahomes in the, in the offseason, in the, in the, I'm sorry, in the postseason, where it's almost like as focused as he is during the regular season and the incredible numbers that he's put up both in, in statistics and in wins and losses, when you get to the postseason, it's almost like he dials in another degree, right? You see, you see the look in his eye. You see the tempo coming in and out of the huddle. You see his mannerisms and conversations with coaches and players. It's like it picks up to an, to another degree. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, understanding uh, game management, understanding, um, you know, time clock awareness, play clock awareness, timeouts, situations on the field, points comes down to possessions, all those things that, that matter to a quarterback and that you have to factor in and you should be thinking about, uh, he takes it to a whole nother degree, you know, when it's, when it's in the playoffs and, and thus the, the playoff success that he's had 39 touchdowns in the postseason in 17 games and just seven interceptions. I mean, that, it, it's exactly what you're talking about is, I mean, he has not thrown an interception since his last pass against the Cincinnati Bengals in the 21 AFC championship game. Well, 14 and three in the playoffs is a pretty good record, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm, like, I mean, I'm like, this, it's just, it's just the awareness, you know, and here's the thing. And when I say awareness, all those things I just got there saying, he's aware of what the limitations are with this offense. He understands, and I'm sure he's had these conversations with Matt Nagy and with Andy Reid. He understands that, Hey, we're not the team from a year ago or two years ago or four years ago or, or even his first year when they're, you know, he's throwing 50 touchdowns. It's like, we're not that team where we're going to, uh, we may have to win a game 17-10 to get to a Super Bowl where our defense is playing outstanding. We may have to, so when it comes down to, okay, take the sack instead of trying to force the ball. Now, in years past, some of those earlier teams, you would say, okay, there's no way I can take a sack. I got to throw a jump ball because our defense, we've got to score 35 points to win this game. We're not going to win the game scoring just 28 or 24 points. So we've got to push the ball and be more aggressive. I think his overall understanding of what this team is, what they need to do to get the win, the way the defense is playing, the lack of uh, success that the Ravens were having and the way the defense had stepped up. So I think all those things come into play. And the fact that he's been able to adjust his game based on what they need and at the times that they need it, you know, that's even more impressive. Yeah, uh, he has gone six games. Curtis had this stat earlier. Six games without an interception. Other quarterbacks had, in, in the postseason, other quarterbacks had done five. No one has ever gone six consecutive games without throwing an interception in the postseason. No one's ever gone six consecutive? Nope. I remember uh, 
what was that one postseason where Flacco, Flacco, what was that? Like 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, something like that. But wow, that's, uh, yeah, that's, it, a, that's a great run in the regular season, let alone the postseason. Well, and, and how about this? Uh, he has a 106.3 passer rating in the playoffs and a 103.5 in the regular season. You're like, oh, that's pretty close. Yeah, except for all the riffraff is gone. You know, he's he's only playing the best, and he right. gets better. Like, that's – you can look it up, almost no quarterbacks. I think Eli Manning, you know, because he – usually either didn't make it or it was their two Super Bowl runs, and he obviously was playing right. well during that. There's only a couple of guys, maybe Kurt Warner, your buddy. Um, yep. there, there's only a couple of guys that actually are better postseason than regular season, and it's and it's understandable. It's freak show to be better in the postseason. And he seems oh, to be well, you, Yeah, and you, and you said it. You, because you're not playing the lower teams in the division. You're not playing the lower teams in your conference. You're, you're playing the best of the best. And, yeah. you know, going into, going into the Buffalo game, Buffalo's a top five defense. Going into the Ravens game, the number one defense. I mean, they're, you're, you're going against, uh, great defenses. Go down to Miami in the, you know, the first game. Um, that's a great defense. I know that, I mean, I know some of those, some of those teams were missing some key players, uh, but it still doesn't negate the fact that they, those teams, uh, were playing at an extremely high level. And, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's even more impressive against that type of uh, that type of those types of opponents. The Chiefs ran the ball 32 times. Six of them were Patrick Mahomes scrambles. I don't think, off the top of my head, any of them were called runs. Uh, Travis Kelsey had what was basically a lateral that became a run. It was kind of like a pass, but it was backwards, and so it goes down as a rush. 25 carries, 24 for Pacheco, one for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. How hard do you think that was for Andy Reid to do that? Well, I think he understood what the game was going to be. And I, and I think that uh, once he got the lead and he saw how the defense was playing, uh, I thought there was uh, – it really jumped out to me. So I just got through talking about how Patrick understands and is aware of what the team is. Andy's the same way. I think you look at the, the number of uh, 13 packages, right, with three tight ends in the game. Uh, he knows – we don't see a lot of, you know, the four wide receivers in Travis or three wide receivers in Travis. We see a lot of maybe two wide receivers, Travis, or two tight ends or three tight ends, one wide receiver. I mean, it's just uh, the personnel groups are, are a lot different. So I think when you when you find a way or an advantage with that 13 personnel group or a 22 personnel group where you can go two backs, uh, two tight ends, and one receiver, where you can find a – if you find a personnel matchup that the other team's doing that you think gives you the advantage, you know, there were times we would try and do that, uh, that we would, we would notice, okay, they're bringing in a linebacker here to cover one of our tight ends. So let's, let's go 22 or 12 personnel to try and match up what they're doing. And then, Hey, when we go nickel personnel, if they stay big, then we're going to throw the ball. If we go nickel personnel and they go small and we're going to run the ball, you know, it's, 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 it's a chess game uh, between personnel groups and going on and off the field. And I thought the personnel groups that the Chiefs have on the field made it clear that they were going to try and run the game or take advantage of some of those underneath things in, in terms of coverage. And, um, you know, Kelsey having a big day didn't surprise me when they found out what those matchups and those personnel matchups were going to be. Uh, Ian Kelsey, you know, getting the rest, he seems to have been rejuvenated by sitting out that one week. Um, what, what, what do you say about him still playing at the level he's at right eleven for one sixteen and a and a touchdown. Uh, I mean, the the idea of him, you know, any kind of uh, stories of his demise were greatly exaggerated. I mean, how good does Travis Kelsey look to you right now? He he looks great. Uh, I just 
you know, they, they talk about it on the broadcast, the, the connection that he and Patrick have. I think he has the opportunity to have a really big game in the Super Bowl because San Francisco plays a lot of zones. I want to say they play over 80% of their coverage is zone. Uh, they like to rush forward, drop back, take away the lanes, and, and try and force it. They don't go a lot, a lot of man-to-man defense. Uh, zone coverage fits perfectly into what Travis and Patrick like to do. They're on the same page. Hey, I'm going to sit. I'm, yeah, I know I'm supposed to go here, but look, there's nobody here, so I'm just going to sit down. Well, I saw that too. Boom, here's a completion. So um, I would think he's going to have a big game unless they try and mirror him with somebody. Uh, maybe go a box and one uh, to use a basketball reference. Is you know everybody else is zone, but I'm going to have one guy man to man on Travis to try and take that away, um, which is a which is a possibility. I mean, there were times you know with Gonzalez that we would face that, um, and you have to come up with creative ways to get him open and and those kinds of things. But uh, yeah, Travis, I don't see him slowing down. It'll be interesting after the season. I know there's a lot of people speculating that he's going to. Uh, retire or step down and you know the success that he's had and you know he's got all these other opportunities off the field um playing at this level and knowing the type of competitor he is I, w- I would be surprised if he decides to stop but um he's definitely earned earned the opportunity and earned the right to stop whenever he wants to stop uh, because what he's had in his career is we're talking about him passing jerry rice i mean are you yeah. are you kidding me about him? I mean, the, the numbers that he's put up, uh, both regular season and postseason. Um, yeah, he it, whenever he wants to stop, he's he's earned that right. I just hope it's no time soon because uh, I really enjoy watching him play. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, it, it's it's uh, just amazing uh, to see him uh, work in there. Although he does need to calm down. It seemed like there about five times they had to, you know, bring reel him in a little bit. Like I, he could, he could, you know, settle down a little bit uh, during the games just just to make my my because I was about three or four times I'm like, oh my god, here comes a personal foul penalty because they were throwing them around. Yeah, they were throwing around, and I kept expecting like, listen, they're going to have to even this up on how many have been yeah. thrown on Baltimore, and I thought for sure he was going to get one. Never did. He seems to know just how far to go, uh, but. Uh, yeah. He run he runs hot, that's for sure. He's uh that's part of his game, that's part of how he hikes himself up, how he hikes the team up. Um, you know, we've seen the negative side of it too, where where he gets frustrated and throws his helmet on the sideline and Andy held him out of the game uh for a few plays because of that. I mean there's there's times where he gets the best of him. Uh, but when he's rolling uh and, and has a good feeling, he and Patrick are on the same page as as we saw uh yesterday. Uh that's that's an unstoppable tandem right there. Yeah, we're talking to Trent Green here in the program. Time for our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, do you uh, need to see an orthopedic expert? You can see one right now without an appointment at the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, if you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports, the University of Kansas Health System offers orthopedic walk-in care. It's at 435 and all in Overland Park. Weekdays 8 to 7, Saturdays 8 to 2. Learn more right now at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. Uh, Trent, I will start you with this. What's your favorite Vegas hotel? Um, CBS, we always stay at Four Seasons at Mandalay. Okay, um, that's just that's just where they put us up because it's down at the end of the strip by where the stadium is. Right. Um, so I really have only been to Vegas a couple times. My wife and I really uh, just to go to like a con- just a concert and stuff. Yeah, okay. we're we're not huge huge gamblers. We we went to a Jimmy Buffett concert out there one time. Um, so yeah, we we yeah. Um, maybe go to some shows, that kind of thing. But um, so I'll, I, I mean, I guess I'll say four seasons. It's hard to beat that um, because it's kind of a 
it's like the quiet place in Vegas, right? It's, it's only a certain number of floors at Mandalay, and then um, yeah, so it's a little more quiet. But okay, it's, okay. Uh, it's it's a fun place. I, yeah, I, I'm just gonna say that because I've probably I've been there more than I've been anywhere else. All right, uh, where does the uh, Vegas Stadium rank in your mind? I love it. I really do. Um, and I'm not a big indoor fan, uh, but I love the fact that they made it indoor and made it intimate. Um, it's not, uh, and I understand why, why cities do the mega domes and the retractable roofs and because they want to have final fours. They want to have concerts. They want to be able to do everything other than football. And I know Vegas does that as well. Um, but the fact that it doesn't have uh, what is it? Maybe 62, 66,000 feet, something like that. It's a little smaller. Um, I like the intimate feel of it. Um, so it's, it's one of my favorite indoor stadiums. Um, just because of that, it's, it's a much more kind of intimate feel, but because of that, uh, the ticket prices that I think for the Super Bowl are going to be like through the roof because there's going to be less tickets to get. You've got the Bay area, which obviously all the Silicon Valley money is going to skyrocket the, the prices there and it's close to San Francisco Vegas is and then of course Chiefs fans support the Chiefs like like nobody else in the league so uh, this is going to be a costly ticket I imagine alright and then what's your gut say on how long Andy Reid coaches I think that he's my, my gut would tell me another three to five years just because I think he loves coaching Patrick Mahomes he loves the creativity of coming up with ways uh, creative ways to utilize his talents. Um, I think he's enjoying it. I think he's having fun. I think he, you know, he enjoys going to work. He enjoys studying film. You know, I hear over and over about how early he gets there during the season because he's, you know, in the lab making up new plays and watching tape from around at the, at the college level and the NFL level. So I would say three to five just because um, we know at some point in time it has to end, but um, so I, I guess three to five. Okay, and then uh, just right now, uh, where, where you? We'll get your prediction next week. But what, what are you feeling about the game? Who are you leaning towards? I'm leaning towards KC. I thought it was interesting. You know, I, I know you're into the point spreads and the numbers and all that. I don't follow it real close. But the first thing I did when I turned on the computer this morning is the thing that pops up and goes, "The spread has already dropped from two and a half to one." So it tells me everybody's voting uh, or, or betting on the, the KC mm-hmm. side of things. So uh, I. I, I think when I watch both championship games, I think from a personnel standpoint, a matchup standpoint, it favors Kansas City right now. I haven't gone through and broken down every position. I think there are certain positions that the Chiefs can take advantage of and certain positions that 49ers can take advantage of. But my, my initial gut is uh, is KC. Very good. Uh, we'll get it uh, officially uh, on the record uh, next week when we talk to you. Trent, great stuff as always, buddy. We really appreciate it. Uh, have yourself a great week, and we'll talk next Monday as we uh, get ready for the Super Bowl. Sounds good. It never gets old having to talk about the Super Bowl, right? Four out of the last five years, this is this is great. So it's uh, uh, have a good week, and, yeah, looking forward to the next two weeks getting ready for this. Yeah, we'll go pinch ourselves and see if this is real. Uh, that's what we'll do. <laughs> uh, you're the man, Trent. Thanks so much. All right, we'll see you. We're almost done for the day, but there's just a few more things we'd like to share. But there's still more. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker of this whole thing. On the program. But first, a good sense. End of the hour answer. Patrick Mahomes, the only quarterback to have six straight postseason starts without an interception. How many had a streak of five? Who was he tied with? Sounds like something Tom Brady would have done. 
No. Sounds like something maybe Drew Brees. He had a good stretch. Drew Brees. Okay. I'll say he was tied with three guys. He was actually tied with six guys. Ooh, In addition okay. to Brees, Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, Joe Montana, guys you'd expect. The other two, Jeff Hosteller and Tony Eason. This goes back to 1970, by the way, the first time they had these these stats. I, I didn't even know Tony Eason played in that many playoff games. I didn't either. That is stunning to me. I would have guessed that he played in about three playoff games in his entire career. Holy cow. Uh, wow. All right. So I'm glad he broke that tie and we can yes. give that record some validity. Uh, Good Sense, uh, always a great choice. Go to GoodSenseSubs.com. Uh, put your order in today. Uh, baking the bread fresh twice each time, two, three times each day. Slicing the meats and cheeses right in front of you. They've always done that at Good Sense. Locally owned and operated, founded in Lenexa, Kansas. Order right now at GoodSenseSubs.com. Leave you with this today. Um, as we sit here, we joked around today about talking about the college basketball, and we did mention it off the top, all three local schools losing. Maybe today's not the best day to give this spiel. But as we sit here now with two more weeks of the Kansas City Chiefs dominating, it occurred to us, and if they win a parade, that we're going to get to midweek, like February 13, 14, 15, before college basketball can take center stage in these parts. I just continue to ask myself why they don't make college basketball a second-semester sport. Sport, why they don't back it up. May Madness still has the alliteration, and we would have more than just two or three weeks of a season to focus on before they come here for the Big 12 tournament. Please, please, NCAA, please, coaches, figure it out. Move the college basketball season back.